SayItInACard.com is an online greeting card company that caters to every single occasion, and we deliver right to your front door. Visit us today, www.SayItInACard.com. If you feel it, we say it in a card. We have breakup cards, troubled relationship cards, friendship cards, sympathy cards, and of course, all of the traditional cards as well, from birthday to holiday. So again, visit us at www.SayItInACard.com. Free shipping for a limited time. New York City. Oh, my God. Baby, when I tell you that the Queen's Supreme Court is bringing the seat to your city. And, honey, we're not just giving you one day. Girl, we're giving you a whole weekend, baby. Me, Funky Dr. Ross, and the real Miss Sophia, baby. Child, we coming there for a two-day extravaganza. Girl, get on Eventbrite right now. www.eventbrite.com and get your motherfucking tickets, bitch. For Easter weekend, bitch, with the Queen Supreme Court. That's April 21st and April 22nd. Sunday, come have brunch with me and Keith Davis. And Monday, come on out and judge these cases at the live show, bitch. Listen, don't meet me there, bitch. Beat me there. <laughs> this is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to Sad. tell my story, use my voice, be a Gay. voice for the community. To speak to and for a community of people that's been ignored, denied, love, love, relationships, relationships, religion. This is my life's work. Religion, religion. I want to use words to uplift, Every heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Something different. Every Monday at ten. I need- <laughs> I guess my first question to you is, I know you grew up in church just from me reading your books. Um, you grew up in church. I grew up in church. You know, so Sean pretty much has as well. What's your take on the topic? Well, you know, it's so interesting because I started thinking about this. I would probably say probably in the past year, maybe how religion uh-huh. has helped and hurt us as a people. I am very spiritual. But I'm not religious. I think it's it's just been a journey in the past few years that I've had to separate what I've been taught about religion and God and church from what I know to be true about those things. Because everything that I know about religion and church and God, mm-hmm. it was given to me. It was passed right. down to me by the people who taught me religion. And I would venture mm-hmm. to, to say that the same is true for you and the people that are watching this. Every, and that doesn't mean that you haven't studied the Bible on your own. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you, you don't go to church at your own volition. What I'm saying is your foundation for religion, unless you just change faiths, but your, your, your foundation for religion was given to you by whoever it was that taught you religion, whether it was your parents, mm-hmm. whether it was your grandparents or godmother, whoever it was that took you to church, that told you about the Bible, you learned their beliefs. They gave you, that you adopted what they believed. And so right. as I've been on this journey as a black gay person and being taught that it's wrong to be gay, um, that being gay puts you on the wrong side with God, 
um, all of those things, and just having to reconcile my sexuality with my spiritual belief beliefs, I've had to to strip myself of some of those things that I've been conditioned to believe because I believe a lot of the things that we struggle with um, in this community, the reason that so many of us struggle or have issues with coming out, because there would be no closet to come out of if we, if we were all okay with it, but we right, were right. forced to believe that there was something wrong with us and, and, and that it's wrong, so we hide. And mm-hmm. there's this journey to coming out. And so in that process, now being on the other side of the closet um, and just trying to figure out, like, what is it that I know for myself to be true? When I think about the, the concept of religion, um, I think that being a people of faith, it guided us through the triangle trade route. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. it guided us That's through right. slavery. Then right. Jim Crow and everything that followed. Um, so I believe it was that spirit that 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 foundation that kept us but Mm -hmm. i also believe that it's hindered us too i believe that religion has held us back it's kept us from some things and that's what i really want to explore okay and see for me you touched on something that i I always joke with candy and say i'm still in the infancy stage of my spirituality Mm -hmm. because i'm still learning and growing and and becoming more comfortable even having conversations such as this um but for me i've just started learning the difference between spirituality and religion because for me that's a that's a newer concept within the last few years because i didn't even think about it in that way to say Mm -hmm. no you can be a very spiritual person but you may not be religious and so for me that's very brand new yeah so i'm just getting into that i think and i think when people a lot of people who don't know the difference for me and it's going to be different for different people but for me the main difference between somebody who's religious and somebody who's spiritual is spiritual is the relationship it's the connection that you have with god versus religion is just tradition it's Mm -hmm. rituals it's you know we take communion on first sunday because that's the way we've always done it there's no biblical principles that support that there's no biblical principles that support that the deacons should sit on the first row and the deaconess should sit on the second row and they should wear white on first Sunday. There's no biblical principles that support that. That's just tradition, i.e. religion. So so for the people who are watching, everybody's going to have their own different perspective. But the, on a very, very high level for me, that's an easy way of kind of differentiating the two. It's much more deeper than that. But just on a very high level, that's kind of some of the differences between the two. But the spirituality piece is the most important piece because that's your direct connection to your creator that's your relationship with God mm-hmm. and you know to, to Craig's point I've over the course of my life you know I've become a lot more spiritual because I now know despite what I've been taught I don't have to go to the pastor I don't have to get his approval I don't have to you know make sure everybody in the church knows and understands how I live and you know get the approval of people I can go directly to God know and understand his plan and, and you know everything for my life and whether what I'm doing and what you know how I live my life and the community that I'm a part of being a part of the LGBT community is something that he loves honors and supports or not and I know that he does I know that I was born gay I know you know there's a lot of things that a lot of people have these conversations that is just simply not up for discussion for me because you know I'm comfortable within my spirituality and I think for me um basically what you both just said um Spirituality is about your personal connection. I believe that your conscience is 
or your inner voice, that's God speaking directly to you. I believe that your conscience is your roadmap through life. I believe that religion is really about doctrine. It's about practice. It's a system. And religion has always been about control and power. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. been about control and power. At one point, religion was used to control a people, that people being us. And so there were all of these things that were put into place to control us. And now you see religion being used by us to control other people that look like us. What I've learned is, and somebody said this to me, I had a conversation with someone not long ago. When you think about the history of our people in this country, everything was stripped from us. When you go back to slavery, our families were stripped from us, our children, our lives, our freedom, our our language, everything was stripped from us. We weren't allowed to do anything. We weren't allowed to read. We weren't allowed to learn. They took everything from us but religion. That was the only thing they allowed us to keep. Mm -hmm. And I believe Mm -hmm. that it's because they knew that religion was the tool that they will use to to control us. And I see so many people that are still controlled by religion. They're just not controlled by white folks per se, but they're controlled by their pastor. They're they're controlled by their minister. I read an article at one point, and then I'm going to let somebody else be, but I remember reading an article. um, This was around the time Eddie Long died. Okay. And there was a, there was a, so there was an article that came out and it was basically saying how the most educated black folks will go to these mega churches. They'll park their luxury cars in the parking lot, but they also park their brain in the parking lot. They, They don't even come into the church with their brain because they don't ask any questions. They just write these checks these, these, these love offering checks, they tithe, they, the, the building fund. They don't even question where their money is going sometimes. That's because right. tradition, religion mm-hmm. has taught us you don't question the Bible. You don't question a man of God. But that's, how, that's where mm-hmm. the control comes in. Right. That's right. right. Now, I know, did you want to get into any of the comments? Um, it's up to you. Um, so there, there has been some debate. Already, I'm which certain. is fine, and that's what and that's what we want. Uh, just be respectful with it. Um, so, one of the things that um, that someone said, Amita said, being with the same sex is no different than telling a lie in God's eyes. A sin is a sin, and all can be forgiven. But one thing, um, I was going to touch on that, and I don't know if you want me to just touch on it now. About that has been a a thing for years as this hierarchy of sin. And for whatever reason, homosexuality has always been at the top of the pyramid. Um, and for me, I've always had a problem with that because I feel like, as Amiti, as Amiti said, a sin is a sin regardless of what it is. And so if you start cherry picking and you say, okay, we'll forgive everybody except for then that's a problem for me. And that's where the division comes in. And that's where I feel like that's where the religion hurts us because there's, there's putting that divide and a division between people. But see, I think in order, in order to dive into that piece of the conversation, (coughs) bless you. Thank you. uh, In order to dive into that piece of the conversation, to me, you have to first step back and say, do I personally believe that being a homosexual is a sin? Hello. Come on, somebody. See, that's where I was about to go with it, but go ahead. 
Right. Because because if you if you're one of the people who believe and who know and understand that you were born gay, then what you're really saying is my very existence from the time that I was born has been wrong. I was born into sin. I, you know, sin even before I had the capacity to be able to differentiate right from wrong. So it's really all like you would have to literally start with that piece of the conversation and move Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. It's interesting because I had a debate on Facebook with a girl that I went to high school with. This was like this is like probably about a year ago, and I don't really get into debates. Right. <laughs> it was actually in a private group from my high school, but I don't get into debate on social media. Um, but I remember there was a conversation about sexuality, and she was saying, talking all of this rah rah about sexuality and and being gay being a sin and you know all of that and I remember chiming in and and not in a way to try to diminish what she was trying to say or or attack her but I said but you are a woman with multiple Mm -hmm. children outside of wedlock with different baby fathers Mm. how dare you sit in here and point, girl, you don't have time to. T- you need to be working about your own salvation because you really, right. don't, you really don't have the space to right. be worried about mine. Right. You know, and it's or, and the thing that's so interesting. Don't forget your point. And the thing that's so interesting to me is how black folks, because we're talking about how religion has helped and hurt us as a people. But it's so interesting how black folks cherry pick the Bible. Yes. You know, you walking around with three and four babies' fathers or babies' mothers or whatever it is that you got going on and you having all this premarital sex, you ain't even thought about getting married. But you sitting here talking about what gay folks are doing? Like, come on now. I did a signing in Philadelphia a few years ago and there was a young guy who happened to wander into this bookstore. I was doing a signing. I was reading an excerpt from the book and he hung around the bookstore until the end of the signing. And he came up to me, told me how he had only wandered into this store because he was coming to get some of the free condoms that they leave at the front. And he went on to say that he didn't have the money to purchase my book, but his mom, West Indian, his mom put him out of the house. Mind you, this young boy was like 20. He was in college. She kicked him out of the house, stopped paying his tuition, called his aunt, which was her sister, told her to disown him. And this little boy was living in a park. And not only did he stay in a park, but then he started living with some strange grown ass man who allowed him to stay with him in exchange for sex. So he was coming in this bookstore to get condoms. But if that little boy, and I said to the young boy, I said, well, what happens if this grown ass man that you're living with decides that he no longer wants to use condoms, then what is your option? And my point is, his mom has issue with sexuality and would put her own child up because of what she was taught about religion. That has nothing to do with God. That's nothing to do with God. That's religion. Mm -hmm. So Honey Richardson said, the Bible has been rewritten so many times and interpreted into whatever the writer slash publisher felt like their thought process was at the time. People find a chapter or a verse and use it to their advantage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People do it all the time. People do it all the time. And you know what? I had a conversation with my family that kind of turned left because the pastor at the church that I grew up in, he's very homophobic. It was to the point where in Savannah, West Brooke, um, one of my good Judy's from from back at home is in the comments section and we'll co-sign it. But he he um 
he had a way about himself where when certain people, i.e. me, Savannah, being Brazil, some other people will walk into the church, all of a sudden, regardless of what the sermon was about, the sermon would go left mm-hmm. and all of a sudden always end up back on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And it became it became a beatdown session to the point where people would feel so bad for us and they would, you know, and then so now you've got hundreds of people in the congregation he's sitting there just beating you down verbally and then you got all of these people who are just looking in your direction and everybody putting their head down and it just becomes this thing to the point where you now not no longer want to be a part of that church and then now as a young christian you walk away with what's called church hurt mm-hmm. now you not only want to be don't want to associate with that church you associate that same pain and that same hurt and that same disrespect or verbal attack or verbal abuse with all churches Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of young black people who walk away from Christianity or walk away from the church as a whole and you've got millennials millions of millennials across the nation who no longer go to church Sean and I did a video when we first started doing Facebook lives I did a two part series called the 10 reasons why the black church is going out of business and when I talked about that I gave some startling statistics I talked about how every single year 4,000 churches close their doors and only 1,000 open. You know, 1,000 new churches open. That's 3,000 churches everywhere in the U.S. that's closed and that's not being replaced. And how millions and millions of people every single year are walking away from the church, still claiming to be Christians, but but wanting no affiliation with anybody's ministry, anybody's church, anybody's anything. And so it begs the question, if you've got all of these people in the in the LGBT community and you've got all of these churches that are empty struggling to keep their doors open, why can't we bridge the divide, bring both parties together because basically both parties in so many words in my opinion need each other. Mm-hmm. Could benefit from each other. You said a couple of things. I'm just sitting here jotting down my notes because, see, I'm I will get caught in the conversation. And I'll forget where I wanted to go. You said something. I want to start with the point that you made about church hurt, and it immediately made me think about a conversation that I had with a friend of mine in California, and we were watching this show called The Four. You know, it's like a singing mm-hmm. competition show. Yeah. I had never seen it before, and so I was in California. I was watching the show, and there was a young black guy on there. Really, really dark-skinned guy. He had these hazel contacts. You know how, like, when somebody really, really dark-skinned wear light contacts and it just doesn't look right with them? And you're like, why can't you see what I see? Like, that doesn't work with you. And sometimes with me, I don't know if it's always true, but I know for me, sometimes when I see that, I immediately think that that person has some sort of identity issue or color complex issue. Doesn't necessarily have to be true, but that's what it triggers me to think. So this young guy was on the show, and every time the camera would pan over to his friends in the audience, they were white gay boys. I could tell this boy was gay. Like He he talked about being gay. He was openly gay. Um, the The camera would pan to the audience, and his friend, his network was white. But then when they showed the the package, the video of his family, he was from some little small town in like Alabama or somewhere, just down home black folks. And I remember saying to my friend, I said, this boy should win this competition. Mm. He should win this competition. And my friend said to me, he said, but you know what? I wouldn't vote for him because if he wins, he's not going to make music for the black kids. He's going to make he's going to make music for the white community because we hurt him. 
And when I say that thing stung and it hit me and I've been thinking about it ever since and it's so true. We sometimes turn away from our community. Sometimes black gay men turn away from this community because of church hurt and not just Mm -hmm. being hurt by the church, but the black family, the black church and the black community. And so oftentimes when you see black gay men and again, I'm keeping it to black gay men or black gay people. LGBTQ people. Um, oftentimes, when you see a person in our community that's LGBTQ and they refuse to date within their own race, they only mm-hmm. date white or they only date Hispanic, it's because our community has hurt them. We turned their t- turned our backs on them, and they they were called sissies, faggots, dykes, whatever it was. They were called all of those things as children. And I've said this time and time again on my Facebook Live when the conversation comes up. I was called a faggot by my own people Mm. before I was ever called a nigger. Wow. And when I tell you, I remember some of the trauma. And I was not a bullied little boy. I was not bullied. But you know, as a kid, there are those go-to things that your cousins or your siblings or your, your neighbors or your, your schoolmates, they call you, whether you're the little fat girl or you're the little dark black girl that they call, you know, uh-huh. I was the little sissy, uh-huh. I was a little fag, you know, that kind of thing. There's a trauma that occurs mm-hmm. and it chips away at your self-esteem. And I've never had self-esteem issues, but the issues that I have had were all attached to my sexuality because the black community hurt me by calling me sissy fag and pwn. They didn't celebrate me. They didn't celebrate me because I was an amazing student, because I was gifted, because I was this. They didn't celebrate me for that. I was just a sissy. I was a fag. You know, and so again, religion has hurt us. It has damaged us in ways immeasurably. The other point that I wanted to say, and just cut in if you need to. I'm just looking at my little notes right here. The other thing that I was going to say is black folks are so blinded by religion. Because, again, Mm. there's a difference between spirituality. I I, I pray on my knees every single night. Every single night. I get down on my knees. I have a connection with God. I'm not too sure about this religion thing. Because, again, it's always been about power and control. People trying to tell right. you tell you how you're supposed to serve and you're supposed to shout and you're supposed to do this, you know. But black folks are so blinded by religion that it allowed Eddie Long to get away with what he was doing with those little boys. That's right. It yeah. allowed, right. It, it, it had black folks at that church saying, oh, those little boys are lying. Let me tell you something. Those seven little boys, only two or three of them knew each other. Only right. two or three of them knew each other. So you mean to tell me that all seven of those little boys had identical stories of how that man seduced mm-hmm. them? But because black mm-hmm. folks at that church, some of them, because some of them left, because some of them knew, but some of them were so blinded by religion mm-hmm. that they, they were willing to say, those little boys are lying. Right. They didn't want to believe that this man of God... Right. Because so we get into all of them semantics. Oh, this, he's a man of God. And you shouldn't challenge the word. You shouldn't challenge a prophet. Listen here. Wrong is wrong. That's and, right. And That's the right. same thing happened with James Cleveland. Same kind of thing happened with James Cleveland. Some of you may not know this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you. And you can Google mm-hmm. what I'm telling you. James Cleveland did a similar kind of thing. Eddie Long had this... Um, Eddie Long had a program called the Longfellow Academy. If you don't believe me, Google it. Right. It was called the Longfellow Academy. It was supposed to be a leadership program that catered to little black boys who were raised by single mothers. 
They didn't have leadership in their life. And that was the channel in which he was seducing these little boys. James Cleveland had had a music ministry. I don't remember what it was called. You'd have to look it up. He had a music ministry, and that's how he funneled those little boys in. It was supposed to be for little boys who had musical prowess or musical mm-hmm. interest, and that was how mm-hmm. he seduced the boys. James Cleveland was adopting little boys as well. One of those little boys he raped. I don't know about how many of them he raped, but he raped one in particular. James Cleveland died from complications with AIDS. Mm-hmm. That little boy that he seduced and raped is HIV positive. There was a lawsuit. He settled out of court. He paid the boy. But the the boy never got paid. The boy was Mm -hmm. never paid. But that boy spent a great deal of years after that on and off drugs, just wayward. Because that whole thing just traumatized him. Because the church and religious people put these Mm -hmm. men on these pedestals. And they don't want to see the truth. That's right. That's right. But you know, with the whole Eddie Long thing, it goes back to people's inability to have critical thinking skills. To your point that you said earlier, how you got these college educated African Americans that will drive their luxury cars and park not only their vehicle, like you said before, but they'll also park their brain. Because when the Eddie Long thing played out, I used to be an avid follower of his. I would Mm -hmm. buy, this was back when they were selling DVDs. I would buy DVDs. And to this day, I still have a stack of his DVDs sitting upstairs collecting dust. But I I couldn't connect with him after that happened because I could look in his eyes and I could tell that he was guilty. I have a spirit of discernment. So I could see all over his face that he was guilty of doing it. And what a lot of people fail to realize is while they were chastising those young boys for coming forth, for mm-hmm. sharing their story, for being courageous, instead of wrapping their arms around them, which is what the world should have done, the black church shunned those boys. And so you can you can always tell when somebody's telling the truth based on you asking the simple question, what do they have to gain? Right. They were already getting his money. They had access to him, and they probably, had they kept their mouths shut, would have gotten more money on that side of the fence than they did by trying to settle in court. So people have to, you have to be able to look at a situation and say, is it beneficial for somebody to come forth and lie? Absolutely not. That's embarrassing. Right. And Why would somebody want to say that they were molested? That's crazy. And then the other part of that is men like Eddie Long or James Cleveland or professional athletes or men in the government and in, 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 they work in Washington they typically deal with other men who have something to lose. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, di- they in, the, in the case of dealing with these young boys, it's often little boys that they, excuse me, they believe that they can get away with it. Little boys that aren't going to tell. Little boys that, that, that marvel at them. And, and this is not always, this is not just a pedophile thing. I'm just saying in general, even when you're talking about some of our celebrities that we know are gay, and it's like, well, why hasn't anything come out about them yet? It's often because they tend to deal with other people who are closeted or down low like they are. So that's how they're able to keep the secret. But what I will say is, to the point that you were making about the DVDs with Eddie Long, I decided many, many years ago, I will not support another church or ministry Mm -hmm. or pastor that vilifies LGBTQ people. Because what I realize is a, a, a few things. Oftentimes... These pastors get up there on these pulpits and they speak from a place of flesh. They're not speaking mm-hmm. in the spirit. They're speaking from a place of, of flesh. And they're often speaking to issues that they struggle with. They speak against issues that they often struggle with. 
So like these pastors that are always talking about gay people are going to burn in hell and gay people are going to do this. Oftentimes they have issues around their own sexuality and they're trying to keep mm-hmm. their con- congregation off the scent. They don't want anybody right. to know. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But what I will say to that is I personally believe, and I've said this before, the church owes us an apology. Mm-hmm. That's right. The church, him, I know that's right. the church owes us an apology because, see, they have propagated this lie. They've mm-hmm. propagated this lie that it's a choice, that you can just pray it away. And they talk about praying it away as if it's just as if prayer is magic. Now, I'm, I just told you that I pray every single night. So I don't I don't doubt or question the power of God. But I also understand that prayer doesn't work like magic either. Um, that's right. And I think that. They owe us an apology because they've participated in this lie. Mm-hmm. Some of them have participated in the community, but they still continue to perpetuate this lie. And so, again, that's why I struggle with this whole notion of um, religion and church. Because if you think, like I just said at the top of this conversation, everything that I know about religion most of what I know about religion was given to me by my grandmother and the people that took me to church. Right? That's right. Only a very small portion of what I know is what I've taught myself over the past, you know, few years. Mm -hmm. But if you think about the people that taught you, whether it was your grandmother, your great-grandmother, whomever, remember, somebody had to teach them. And if you Mm -hmm. go far enough back down that line, it was somebody white teaching your great, 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 great grandmother about religion. And the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to let somebody speak. I did a signing down in Houston, Texas, and it was a wonderful woman. She hosted this signing. And one of the things that she opened, the, how she opened the conversation was um, she had read a memoir by uh, Nelson Mandela. And in the book, he said, when white folks showed up in Africa, they were holding the Bible and we had all of the land. Mm. But when it was all said and done, we were stuck holding the Bible and they had all of the land. They seduced us with religion. They seduced us. We're so caught up in religion. It's like we don't even see just how lost we are. But you know what? You know, there's a lot of truth in that, and you see evidence of it even even in our communities today. When something happened, when there's a school shooting, mm-hmm. when you see all of these drive-bys, and um, with the Kanika Jenkins case that happened out in Rosemont, Illinois, where the young girl was found in the freezer, all these different mm-hmm. um, high-profile celebrated cases, and, and you have to ask the question, Where's the church? Where Where's the pastors? Where's the leadership? Well, all of this stuff happened. You see the mother crying. You see the family supporting her, holding her up. Sometimes you see activists or you see people in the community. But where's the church? Where's the church? All of these people, somebody belonged to somebody's church. Mm-hmm. And even when you think about every war, every war, whether it's 9-11, every war is steeped in it's a religious war. It's a religion war. Because, again, it's about control. It's about our religion says this, your religion says that, so now we're going to clash. It's that's all right. steeped in that. And so that's what I'm saying. We have to really start thinking critically as a people. And even when we talk about the position of the church, the position of the church in the community, in the black community, like, we we have enough mega churches. We have all these mega churches. And I just personally don't, I'm not convinced that building these mega churches is what God, what makes God smile. I'm convinced that if we took that money 
instead of building these $60 million churches, we use that mm -hmm. money and build our community. I remember going to a mega church and attending one. I wasn't a member, but I remember attending a few times. And I remember they were raising money for their new building. And they did a full-on PowerPoint presentation in the middle of the offering. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to raise $60 million for the church, for this new church that they were building. And I remember looking around that church that day and thinking, how many people in here are, are putting money in, mm -hmm. into this building right. fund and they don't even have their mortgage paid? That's yes. right. Or they're That's behind right. in their mortgage. Or they have children that are away at college and they don't even know how they're going to pay their children's tuition. What if we use that money and built a community for these single mothers who have who are raising children without the father? What if we did some more strategic? What if we started building some gro grocery stores in these black communities? Like, who, what would happen if we did that? And but see, what happens is religion says religion, not God. Religion says if you give, I'll give it back to you. If you make a sacrifice, it'll come back to you. Mm -hmm. You, you got to make a sacrifice and then God will give it back to you in three days. There we go with that magic stuff again. It's going to come back mm -hmm. to you in three days. You know, we, we, we've, we've gotten to a place where religion is used to seduce people. And you plan on people's emotions, people that are in desperate financial positions. They're giving away their light bill money because you have told right. them that if you make a sacrifice, God is going to give it back to you. Right. We're not thinking critically. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, for me, I just feel like when it comes to religion, not God, with religion, anybody that goes against the tradition or the formalities or what is perceived to be true, you're shunned away. It's no different than, you know, homosexuality is completely against the Bible, so so some people say, or atheism. So then you shun all the atheists and you don't love them and you treat them terribly and all this. And and it just seems like for me, anything that goes against the more the fiber of the belief, then that's what gets shunned away. Because if you notice no, the drug addict and the you know the abuser and all those they don't necessarily shun them away they wag their fingers but they don't mm -hmm. shun them away because that's not necessarily going against the fiber mm -hmm. of the religion they don't even wag their finger they welcome you up to the mic because your testimony sells the next person sitting in the seat next to you mm -hmm. so for you you know you you used to sell drugs you did six years in a penitentiary or you've been delivered oh, from homosexuality that's right, right. That's right. We want you to tell the world because then that's going to get people to shouting and clapping and then that's when we're going to have the choir sing an A and B selection so we can pass this play and then offerings go up. That's right. And that's see, how you, it goes. And see, you have... And you have your Donnie McClurkins trying to sell albums too by telling the people that he's been delivered. No, but you haven't been delivered. You're just abstaining. Right. That's right. That's right. Right. Is, it, is anybody interested in the truth? Because, um, I mean, I can abstain I, from sex. That doesn't make me heterosexual. That's right. There you go. That's right. There you go. That's right. But you know what? I um I don't know if you know, but Sean and I used to own a state farm office. We owned it for, All we right. worked for the company for several years. And then for five years before we sold it, we owned a state farm office in Chicago. So when we got started, one of the things that I sat her down and I said, I said, I really want to 
use um, insurance and financial services to really impact the black community. I want to teach people how to save money, invest in the stock market, buy mutual funds, buy their first house, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we sat down and I said, well, strategically, how can we do it? So I hired a marketing company. I bought this list. I spent probably about $1,200 on this list. Uh-huh. Every black church in Illinois, it was on this list. So I literally took a day and I called every single pastor, called them and mailed them a letter. Uh-huh. I said, look, I said, I'm an insurance agent. I want to do a free seminar. You're not paying me anything. I just want to do a free seminar at your church, you know, help people. Yeah. This is what I want to do. And I shared it with them. You know what majority of them said? Oh, no, because you trying to take the money that they have. And if they if you do this seminar, they're not going to want to pay tithes. Then tithe, they need to pay tithes first. And then you need to teach them pay tithes first. And then with the rest of the money you have, then save for your house. Well, that's another disservice. That's another disservice. And when you said that, again, keeping in the topic of what we're talking about, how religion or church has helped us and how it's hurt us. That's right. Part of the reason that the black community is losing this fight against HIV is because, and I'm not speaking specifically of of, of black gay uh, gay people in HIV, I'm talking about black people as a whole. Because black women at one point was the the number one leading, leading the charge in terms of infection rate. But part of the reason we have suffered as much as we have is because the church has not gotten involved. In the fight. That's right. And I know that there are churches that do, but I'm talking about the church body. Mm. When you think about the fact that 80% of black people believe in religion, believe in God. 80% of black people believe in God, believe in religion. But the reality is that is not a conversation that often comes up because in the church, a conversation about HIV would lend itself to a conversation about sex, premarital sex, mm-hmm. and sexuality. And mm-hmm. so in order to circumnavigate those two conversations, they just ignore it. But That's I believe right. that the church, the black church, could have changed the game. If the black That's church right. had gotten in front of this HIV thing, because we are so traditional and we, we take the church at... You know, the church's word as gospel, no pun intended. But it's like we could have changed the game. We could, they, the church itself could have, listen, the CDC would have had nothing on the black church. That's right. Because see, the black church could have had conversations about it. Well, to your point, it works from a health perspective, given the example that you did with HIV, and then it works from an economic perspective, exactly. given the example that I did. Exactly. They could have, we could have changed our whole way of life. Exactly. Community, the black community as we know, as we know it now, would not have even been able to exist. There would have been very little poverty. There would have been very little um, statistics for HIV. Fatherless homes. On and, on and, on. and fatherless right. homes. Yeah, fatherless homes exactly, and I think that speaks to the whole part that has religion helped us or hurt us. Religion has the potential to help us greatly, Absolutely. as we just stated. It's just it 
you learn how to use it in a positive way, it can help a tremendous amount of people because, mm-hmm. like you said, people are so caught in that tradition and almost to the point where they allow re- religion to almost brainwash them. Well, okay, well, brainwash them with positive things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because you can control what people think. I mean, it's clear mm-hmm. that religion has controlled what people think. And so if, we've, if we could have used that in a way to bring attention to, you know, the ills in our community, then we would really be doing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But see, in order for that to happen, the people who benefit most would have to take a back seat. Because if we if we restructure the way that the black churches ran and how they think and how they move, et cetera, then pastors of mega churches wouldn't be able to make forty three and fifty million dollars. They wouldn't be able to fly in jets and have all these private vacation homes on the beach, et cetera. It would be a level playing field mm-hmm. because the money, instead of it going into your pocket, i.e. pastor, it would be circulating throughout the community, throughout the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. My thing is, I would, I would, I want black folks to start to see the comparison or the parallels between racial discrimination and the discrimination in terms of sexuality, because the same. It's almost like that that cliche that hurt people hurt people, but it's almost like the oppressed wanting to oppress. So it's like black people have been oppressed in this country, but. There's this desire for black folks to have someone else to oppress. And seemingly, it's the black gay community. It's the LGBTQ community. Because the things mm-hmm. that, the hell that they sometimes put us through in terms of family members, co-workers, the, the stuff at the church, it's no different than the shit that white folks do to make our lives right. hell. Right. You know, and so once yeah, that- we can start to see these parallels, it's just like... You ain't doing no different than what white folks are doing. Mm-hmm. And, and what Jason said in the comments kind of goes to what you just said. He said thought suppression is not deliverance. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Exactly, Donnie That's McClurkin. Right. Somebody send that memo to Donnie McClurkin. Somebody shared it. <laughs> somebody shared this video to his uh, to his uh, Facebook page. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> Tag, share, and invite. Hey, girl. Uh, hey. Oh. Hey girl, hey. Hey girl. Hey. Uh, Jael said, I would consider tithing and membership when I didn't pay a bill to provide an offering, yet watch my lawyer walk in with a fur and not bother to learn my name. There you have it. And, and it's almost like um, sometimes, it's, it's, it's just pathetic sometimes because you see in some of these churches, you know, people are living at the poverty line or below the poverty line and they're giving their last to these pastors. And it's not all of these pastors. But, you know, they're giving their last to these pastors and they're walking in these churches. They're driving in these churches and Bentleys and you got a congregation that's on food stamps or their damn uh, credit score is a four and five hundred. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm like, what about workshops or what about putting something in place to better to better your congregation? People need better paying jobs. You know, you should always have a situation where you're trying to advance people in some shape, form, or, or fashion. And so I just feel like it's just a show. It's like it's like we come together on Sunday, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever Bible study is. You know, we do this um, emotional service, or we have this emotional service, and then everybody go their separate ways. You live how you live, I live how I live, and then we meet back and do it again. Right. But nothing changes. Mm-hmm. My way of life doesn't change. Your way of life doesn't change. And anything that you learn about money or um, social justice, justice issues or anything like that, voting, anything that impacts your 
your daily l- way of life, you learn outside the church. And it's like, why is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got several hundred or several thousand people gathered at one time. Use your power. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, uh, Amity, I believe is how she pronounced her name. She says her church doesn't pass offering you give if you have it. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's a positive. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Jason said the most potent weapon of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me see. Lisa said church is a business, and we know that. I mean, at the end of the day, I see some people look at that as a negative statement, but for me, that's also, uh, I mean, it's not really negative because at the end of the day, every organization that puts up a building is a business. I don't care what it is, whether it's a store, a church, uh, you know, a school, it, all of them are businesses. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you look negatively upon the church because they have to run their business because that's really what it is but you have to also use that business in a positive way that's right 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 everything's a business craig the writer steward is a business candy and sean is a business Show is. church is a business okay. everything is a business. <laughs> listen if you guys weren't supporting these books i wouldn't be able to sit on here and and and, and speak like this because i'd be somewhere in bed right. getting ready for somebody's job tomorrow Come okay. through books. Okay. Come through books. Can you speaking of books, um, can you give us any any information on book number four? Yeah, um, I'm calling it uh The Book of Jewels. And it's ten chapters. Right now it's ten chapters. Um, and each chapter signifies one of the biggest life lessons that I've learned. So like the very first chapter of the book is called Life. The last chapter of the book is called Death. But then there's a chapter called Dating. There's a chapter called Love and Fear. There's a chapter called um, Passion, Fate, and Destiny. And in that chapter, I talk about uh, following your passion and how you know something is, how you know you're called to do something. But each chapter opens with an original quote. And those quotes frame what the chapter is going to be about. So it still is. biographical in a sense because like in the dating chapter I talk about the lessons that I learned about dating and how I learned to be a better dater a smarter dater not so anxious dater and I give you specific mm-hmm. scenarios or stories that happen and then I tell you the lesson that I learned so yeah mm-hmm. so it's called Book okay. of Jewels but I need to finish it I need to finish it you will oh and by the way everybody I did um, put Craig's information in the description box so if you're interested in the first three books that he's written Please make sure you go in the description box. There you go. Uh, his cash app and information is there. His website is listed there. Okay. He's showing you the titles there. There you go. So just make sure you hit the, the description box and all his information is there. So you can make sure you, you get those as well. While Absolutely. You wait for Thank you for that. But yeah, the books are available on Amazon, all e-readers, as well as um, Audible. I narrate them. But if you want to get a signed copy from me, then you can use the Cash App and then I'll ship it to you. But yeah. There you go. But thank you. Did you guys have anything else? I think I said a mouthful. I think that it has been amazing. There has been, like I said, there's been some some discussion and debate in the in the comments. Thank you for everybody that has debated respectfully. Yeah. We understand this is a sensitive topic. Everybody's not going to agree, and we don't expect everybody to agree. Share this video if you don't agree. Please that do. way there can be more discussion. Yeah. So Candy and I have always said this is a judgment-free zone. That's right. Everybody can have their own thoughts, opinions, and feelings as long as you respect everybody else. So um 
um, you know, we definitely appreciate everybody having the dialogue in the comments and continue to have that dialogue mm-hmm. in the comment. Mm-hmm. Greg, thank you so much. Thank for you. Thank you. Thank you. Dialogue. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We definitely appreciate it. For everybody, um, we tagged Craig, the writer Stewart, in the description box as well. Definitely go out and check out his page, his website, and everything. He's an amazing man, which is why we keep bugging him. And, and, and we're gonna do this again next month too. We're gonna next month go. we're gonna figure out another topic, and we're gonna come. We're gonna you know, figure out something else to talk about. Okay, um, right. But we we love you and we appreciate you, and we're not gonna take up the rest of your night because I'm sure you got some books to sign. And I do. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, y'all.